Good morning. I want to invite you to open in your word today to Psalm 119. I haven't preached in about a year and a half, and so I thought I might go to the longest book of the Bible. And we're going to be in Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to start in verse 1 and end at 107. Just kidding. (laughs) Not going to go there. But we will be in Psalm 119 this morning. And I just want to say thanks to the praise team. I was out sick last week. It's not COVID. Uh, just had some fever and a stomach thing. And, and on a last minute notice, they led so well last week. I was in my living room singing at the top of my lungs, worshiping with you guys in my living room. And uh, this morning, the fact that we have men and women who are sold out to the Lord, uh, that their life is not just worship on stage, but every day of their life, they are literally worshiping the Lord with their life. And so just wanted to say thank you, Eric. Thank you, uh, Connor, and those that led us this morning. A few weeks ago, David was talking about um, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Uh, If you have children, we gave you some manna packets so you could taste to see what manna tasted like. And just walking through uh, the beginning of disciplines of the Christian faith. A couple weeks ago, he talked about Prayer And what does it mean uh, to pray? How, does, how do Christians pray? How did Jesus pray? And he showed us through scripture. Uh, one of our members whispered to me, like, I think that's one of the best sermons I've heard on prayer in my entire life. So you're welcome. It was a great sermon. Uh, last week, uh, David talked about fasting, what it is and what it isn't, and how if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have learned the art of fasting. And so we're continuing on, and I asked David, where where do you want us to go this morning? Uh, And he said, I really think meditation is where uh, we need to continue on as we look at these disciplines of the Christian faith. And so uh, he said, Omar, I think there are things in your life that you've shared with me that I think resonate with um, our church. And so I just want you to share from God's word, what does it mean to meditate? So this morning, we're going to try to do that. If you grew up trying to memorize songs, um, I had a cassette player that um, had little cassettes. They're like little rectangle things with little circles in them. Um, And uh, I think Moses and Aaron were still walking when they were um, in existence. But I would catch myself uh, pushing play and then pushing pause and then writing down those words and then rewinding. There's a rewind button that actually rewound the tape and then you push play and then you write some. Raise your hand if you did that growing up. Praise the Lord, I'm not alone. Um, and now it's like you can go to Amazon Music or Spotify and as you listen, this, the words are actually popping up on the screen. It's insane. So uh, we didn't have that, but how we memorized songs was with, through a cassette. Um, and, and as I was thinking about songs and um, just the world today, I thought about, I wonder what's the most played YouTube video up to date. YouTube hasn't been around too, too long. Um, but there are, I don't know, maybe seven point something billion people on the planet right now, average. Um, and this video has received 10.9 billion views. And so I apologize on the front end if this song gets stuck in your head. That's not the point of this morning. But just take a quick listen to the most downloaded video in YouTube history. Take a look. Baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark, do 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 do. 
Baby Shark is the most downloaded YouTube video to date. It's fighting with another song called Despacito. We're not going to get into that song. But um, we, we probably find ourselves meditating on things that we don't want to meditate on. Baby Shark. But the way the world has been created and the way that man has kind of shifted our focus, we find ourselves thinking on things that have nothing to do with the Lord, that have nothing to do with what God has created us to be. And, and this morning, I just want to walk through some passages that show us how Jesus meditated how the psalmist David meditated, how people even in the Old Testament, Isaac in, in 1 Genesis uh, chapter 26, that meditation is something that God orchestrated, that God ordained, that we as believers have to be doing. And this morning we're gonna find out it's not just in isolation or in this one moment, but it literally is a lifestyle change. Um, when I was growing up, my dad I loved watching him water the grass. And, and he would grab the water hose and he would put his finger on the little end and he could spray the water and it would shoot like five or six feet around. And it was really cool. But then he would shift his finger ever so slightly. And then it would redirect the water to it would be more like a, a spray to get maybe 10 feet away from him. And he could just spray the grass that way. And then he would switch that finger just a little bit more and then he could make it into like a laser shooting 15 or 20 feet away. And this morning, I just want you to think about your life and maybe there is a simple pivot or a simple switch that you can change this morning as we walk through the text that when you walk away, I can shift this area of my life because when I do that, the outcome changes. It's completely different. I wanna share with you just a quote that as I was studying, I think it's called justdisciple.com, but Here's what Christian meditation is, is the act of filling one's mind with scripture and dwelling on God and all that he offers to humanity. It not only produces knowledge of the Bible, but also a heart transformation. It's not just knowledge, but it is a heart transformation. And so follow along as we read Psalm 119 beginning in verse 97. And this is David talking about his heart when it comes to meditation. Psalm 119, 97 says this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You know this next verse. Your word 
is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't have the opportunity often to share my heart when it comes to the vision of our church. As I lead in our student ministry, as I lead our praise team, as I just live my life, I try to let the vision that our church has adopted and make it a lifestyle. And if you're visiting with us this morning, the vision of our church is that we would be a community of faith that glorifies God through three different ways. And I love that this morning we can put the word meditation in front of every one of those steps and it fits perfectly. And so the first part of our vision is meditating on the word of God. It allows us to embrace the author of life. When we are meditating on the word of God, we have the power to embrace the author of life. One of the questions that I believe people have a hard time answering, especially if they're young in their Christian faith, is what is God's will for my life? What, is, what am I supposed to do in this situation? What job am I supposed to take? And what I love to repeat to them is just the word of God. What does the word of God say on how we are to be living our lives? And as you walk through those promises and those truths of Scripture, you can find that whatever you're trying to, to go towards, the Spirit of God will help you be in alignment with whatever that is, whether that's being a janitor, whether that's being a president of a bank. It doesn't matter what God has called you to do, but you can find the will of God literally in Scripture. And so it literally gives us direction for our life. And I think... Part of the problem is that we have friends that we love, we have friends that we trust, we have families that we gain good insight and good wisdom from, but sometimes they don't always lead us in the right way because they know us, they love us, they wanna give us what we wanna hear to make us feel better about ourselves, and it's not always coming from the text. My wife and I, we drive very old cars. We have a 99 Tacoma, we have an 02 Suburban, and a 2015 Honda Pilot. And with having older cars, things break down and you have to fix them. And God has given me some ability to repair vehicles and I love working on cars. Um, I worked on a student's car yesterday and we got a, a light change that they couldn't do for three weeks. And so I felt good about that one. But. Um, we had an 09 Yukon and we were driving down the road and three times at different, different days, the car literally shut off on us, going 50 miles an hour, everything shuts off, we see lights, there's no power steering, there's no brakes, there's no gas, literally nothing. And I'm literally just trying to turn the car off to the road so that we can just stop in the grass. So this happened three times. And I'm thinking, something's wrong. We gotta try to figure out what's going on. And so um, I did some research and um, found that there was a part, I don't even know the name of it anymore, but it was located in a spot that really is not accessible. Um, the YouTube videos I saw, it said it would take four to five hours to fix uh, if you knew what you were doing and probably a day to two days if you did it. And so I thought, God, I need help. I need to fix this car. And so I found a mechanic, and his name is James, and that's important for later. But um, great, great guy, uh, just 
um, great mechanic. I've taken him cars and he has known what to do and to fix it. And so I said, he's gonna be able to fix this 09 Yukon. And I said, hey, I know this is gonna take a couple of days. I know you're busy. Um, and so this was a Monday morning. Do you think I could have it back on Wednesday? And he said, on Wednesday, he said, I'll have it, I'll have it in 45 minutes, you'll be done. And I'm like, nah, I think you missed the part because it's the one that's back in there. I don't remember, you know, he's like, I know exactly what it is. He's like, give me 45 minutes and I'll be done. I was like, oh, like, okay, like the part's gonna come and then I can get a ride. He's like, no, just, just hang tight. And so he orders a part, it comes in and he jumps on the hood of the car like he's an Avenger or Spider-Man or something and he like just kind of balances himself and he's like it's all about feel you can't really see it but it's just feeling I, I I'll get it and so he just starts like his looking up and and he he's like oh, I found it I found it and then he pops it out and he throws it at me I'm like bro how did you do that he's like, well, I'm not done yet. I got to put the other one in. So I tossed him the new part and he's like, it's all about feel again. And he wiggled around and he's like, oh, there it is. Yep, it's done. I was like, bro, that's legit. He's like, just drive it for a couple of days. All those sensors will go off. You'll be good to go. I was like, dude, you're a beast, bro. That's, that's amazing. And sure enough, it fixed the part. He did it like he said he did. And as, as I thought about that situation, that young man can fix any broken car, I'm convinced. And the Lord reminded me, Omar, sometimes you go to the wrong mechanic. When it's dealing with your heart. Sometimes you go to the wrong mechanic when you think they can help you. So I want to remind you this morning the God of creation spoke life into existence, made you. And he knows you. And he knows how to fix you. So when we find ourselves meditating on the word of God, we know that the author of life has the power to lead us and it's not to destruction, it's not to pain and suffering, but it's freedom in Christ Jesus. And, and I, verse uh, 104 says, uh, through your precepts I gain, I get understanding, therefore I hate every evil way. There are things that I hate, um, and it's all the things that God hates. I'm not saying I've mastered everything that he hates. I just hate the things that he hates because I know that that breaks his heart. I know that it keeps us separated from him. And one of those things is how we use our tongue, how we use our language. I feel at times in this place, in this building, I have heard people cut people down. I have heard people make fun of people and it's lighthearted joking. It's like, eh, it's just trying to be funny and and and. I hate that because when you make fun of someone or you bring someone down or you're talking negatively on them, what you're doing is you're talking about someone that God created. Like his creation and you're talking negatively on that? You're making fun of that? 
And so when we are meditating on God's word, those evil thoughts, they don't even come in your head. Those words don't come because what's on your heart, what's on your lips is all of God and the word that he's been giving you. So the question is, how do you meditate on the word of God? Do you meditate on the word of God? Second point is this, meditating on the word of God impacts our lives in multiple ways. When we find ourselves meditating on the word of God, it makes an impact, not just in our lives, but in the lives around us. And when I thought about meditating growing up, it was this guy sitting on his rear end with uh, sitting crisscross applesauce and holding his hands out and humming, hmm, that was meditation. And you probably had that thought too. But Jesus shows us that meditation is far, far greater than that. I just want to remind you, Matthew chapter 14, uh, 21 through 22, Jesus just got through feeding multiple people. And he had been with them all day. He had been pouring out his life. He had been speaking to them. And scripture says in Matthew that when it was done, immediately he sent the disciples away. And it says that he went up into a mountain to be alone with the Lord. So think about your most exhausting day. You've been spent, you've been working 12 hours a day on your feet all day long and you're tired, you're exhausted. Jesus was probably in that physical form and he knew I needed to go and be with the Father. And later on down the text, it shows that when he comes off of that, where do we find Jesus? Walking on water. So we're, he's meditating on the word of God and it gives him this insane ability and this insane power to literally walk on water. Further down, um, there's a story where Jesus, it says that he got up early before the sun poked its head on the horizon. I can envision him tiptoeing around the disciples, getting out of the building or out of the home, wherever they were, and he spent time alone with God, meditating on who God is and who he is. Friends, if Jesus had to go and meditate, we have to meditate. And so meditation happens when you're by yourself with the Lord. And Jesus showed that. But meditation isn't just secluded to that point of being by yourself with the Lord. It's actually as you go about your day. And again, Jesus showed us many examples as they're walking. There's a lady that's been bleeding for a long time. And all she wants is to go be next to Jesus because he knows, she knows if I can just touch his clothes, she's meditating on this. If I can go and just get close to him and touch him, I know my life's gonna be radically different. Scripture, you know the story. She touches Jesus. Jesus stops and he says, whoa, something just came off of me. And I, just me thinking aside, I was thinking, I wonder what his power level went down like in a video game. It was like 100%, and then it went down to 50 but then I was thinking, it's Jesus. It's like 99.9999. So it didn't really come out. Like he still had a lot left. Um, but he said, somebody touched me. And then he just says, your faith has made you well. Like, and she stopped. She was healed. Jesus was thinking on God, thinking on holy things. And what came off of his lips was life change. There's a man that's blind and he's begging and he's, he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Disciples are just saying, hey, you know, he's just a beggar. Just leave him alone. It's not a big deal. And, and he says even louder, no, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And Jesus, again, constantly thinking of God, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, your faith has made you well. And so many times Jesus was going about his business. There were children coming up to him. And the disciples like, hey, tell him to go away. He's like, no, nah, unless you become like one of these, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so he used every opportunity, any distraction that the world saw as a distraction, he used as a teaching point. Why? Because he was constantly thinking of his father. Constantly thinking of the Lord. And then we see Jesus in probably the most difficult season of his life. And I haven't always thought about meditation in the most dire and frustrating moments in life. But look at the actions and the thoughts of Jesus as he is about to be betrayed. He is on his knees, he's praying, he is spending time meditating on God. He invites some friends to do it, they fall asleep. He catches them and they're sleeping like, dude, why aren't you meditating? Why aren't you praying? And he goes back and spends time with the Lord. And then as he is about to be arrested, again, I never thought of Jesus meditating in this, but he's standing there. One of the guys chops the soldier's ear off. Jesus heals him. But his words, he's like, do you not know that I could have thousands of angels right here at the sound of my voice and take care of this, of this situation. He's meditating. He knows the power and the truth of his words. But he redirects and says, but so that the power of God can be shown, this must take place. And so even probably in the flesh, you and I would probably have backup. Hey, I need some help here. I want to take care of these guys. No, he was so in tune with the Lord. He constantly meditating on God. I just want my words to count. And then from there on, he doesn't say anything except towards the end when he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Again, he's... He's not meditating evil on people. He's meditating life change for even those enemies that are wanting to kill him. And so when we find ourselves meditating, it's not just in the early morning by ourselves, but it's actually as we wake up, as we go throughout our day, and it happens when we need it the most. And so how many times have you found yourself speaking the word of God in most difficult situations. Another uh, definition is to mutter, to ponder, to always have whispering the words of God coming off of your lips. I don't know if, if you're like me, but sometimes I have conversations with myself in the presence of my kids, and they ask me, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, you heard that? Yeah, because you're talking out loud. And so I, I have these conversations in my head, and maybe you do too. And sometimes it's not always... Um, healthy in the sense that I'm trying to fix a situation or try to navigate a difficult conversation. But how many times have you walked down into your office or wherever you work and you're hearing people whispering, the Lord is so good. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. How many times have you heard people just having the word of God come off of their lips? How many times do you find yourself having the word of God 
coming off your lips out in public. So it allows us meditating to make an impact in our lives, but in lives that are around us. And the third point is this, meditating on the word of God allows us to empower others. The action of you meditating on the word of God allows you to make an impact and empower other believers. When Brianna told me the story, she said, Omar, I got something to share with you. Probably once a month, she shares a story with me of how God's doing something amazing in her life. I love that. I love hearing what God's doing in your life. And, um, and she shared that, and I thought, Brianna, like, you took a stand, and what, what changed was what you were meditating on. You heard, she said in Matthew, that passage worked really well with the prompt that she had to write. So it was on her mind, and she put it down on paper, and she went a step further to, sit, to use that passage to invite someone to church. And that, we find that lady knows the Lord. She says, it's hard to, to share your faith. It's hard to tell people you know and love Jesus. And basically, you did it. And so I know that teacher, even today, is still, wow, well done. And I know as you listen to it, you're probably thinking, well done, Brianna. Like, that's, that's great. And her actions hopefully empower you this week to make a difference on an email or a text message or a conversation as you walk through. But one of the, the biggest, two biggest fears of why we don't meditate outwardly is fear of rejection and fear of not having the words to say. Raise your hand if you believe that's true. The reason we don't meditate outwardly, the reason we don't evangelize is because we're afraid of rejection and we're afraid that we won't have a word to say. Earlier on this year, my brother, Pastor Mike, um, asked me to help uh, change his wife's side view mirror. And it cost about $300 for the body shop to do it. And I said, I can do it for free. Um, and so we were able to fix that car. And um, he said, man, what do I owe you? I said, Mike, you don't owe me anything. I love helping. It's a joy. My heart is full. My mind is full for helping. He said, no, I, you know, what, what does it cost? And I said, Mike, sincerely, buddy, I don't, I don't want anything. He's like, well, where do you want to eat? And I was like, well, where do you want to go? And so um, we went to go grab lunch. And um, as we're in the line, there were two ladies in front of us, and they're ordering. And the lady to the right, as they turn, um, I looked at her plate, and it was, I don't even know what it was. It was chocolate. It was brownie-like. It had powdered sugar on it. I mean, it looked amazing. And so me, being vocal, I said, that looks amazing. And she said, yeah, I hope it is, you know. I said, have you ever had it before? She's like, no, it's my first time. I said, awesome, and she walks away. Well, I go and sit down, and um, I'm enjoying the company with Mike. We're talking about good things, and um, I realize I'm still hungry, and I would like some of that dessert that that lady had. And so um, I said, Mike, I'm going to grab some dessert. And he's like, no, Omar, I got you. I'll pay for it. I said, Mike, you don't have to do that, buddy. Like, I'll take care of it. So I, he gives me his card, and as I stand up, I turn around, and the ladies are sitting right behind me, and I look at the plate, and it's gone. Like, the dessert's gone. There's just a few crumbs. And, and I was like, well, how, how was it? And they're like, it was actually really amazing. 
And I said, well, I'm actually on my way to get some dessert right now. But the problem is it just looks too small. And so I want to try to get something bigger. And um, she, and I just asked, I said, um, can I ask you a question? Where do you guys go to church? Um, and the lady to my left, um, it looked like just a, a grandmother that was excited to hear stories of her grandchild. Eyebrows were up, her, her eyes were open, she was smiling, just had a really great heart and demeanor about her. The lady to the right, if looks could kill, I would have been dead in that moment because it looked like she hated me. And she said, no, we don't go to church. I was like, hey, I, I just wanted to share with you, I was nine when I gave my life to Jesus. I'm 39 now, and I've never regretted that decision. And, th and I just began to start the gospel. And she interrupts me with the ugliest tone. And she said, can you please leave us alone? We're trying to enjoy our lunch. I was handicapped. Like, I was paralyzed in my head. I was like, I'm so sorry. And the Lord's like, you better not say you're sorry because you were trying to share with them how to have life. And I just said, I understand. I hope you enjoy the rest of your lunch. And I turned and I was so thankful I was on my way to the dessert line to get some cake. Um, and so I order the cake and I walk back and I'm thinking, I just... I don't, I don't want to leave on bad terms. And I said, hey, this is what I got. And they're like, oh, that looks great. And then I sat down. I was like, God, I don't ever want to talk to anybody again. Like, so for two and a half weeks, I could not speak to anyone. I was cordial. I was nice. I hung out with people. I said things, good things to people. But I could not get myself to articulate the gospel to a stranger because of that situation that took place. So we've been walking through the book of James at that time with our students. Uh, and I, when I work out in the morning, part of my meditation is I don't listen to scripture. I mean, I don't listen to music. All I do is listen to scripture. And so for those two and a half weeks, all I was listening to was the book of James. One, two, three, four, five, repeat. James, one, two, three, four, five, repeat. So every time I worked out, I probably listened to it eight or nine times. And it was a Friday morning. I went to Guitar Center to get some strings. I go to the acoustic section. There's probably five or six people hanging out there. And it winds up just being myself and this other gentleman. I don't think he knows that I'm there because the way that he was singing, um, if he had known someone was in there, he probably wouldn't have been singing as loud as he was. And so I felt bad, and I'm not making fun. I'm just He could play the guitar really well, just needed some work in the vocal range. And so I... I start walking, I was like, I'm just gonna let him see that I'm here, so that way maybe he won't sing anymore. And so I, I walk, and, I, and I, I don't look at him because I don't wanna have a conversation with him. And so I walk by, and he said, hey buddy, how are you doing today? And I was like, oh man. And I was like, hey, how are you doing buddy? Doing well, you know? And, uh, and so I said, how are you doing? And he said, I, actually, I'm doing really well. Like, uh, I'm living the blessed life. Um, I am living the American dream. And I was like, oh, this guy sounds very proud of himself. Like he's matter of fact with his wording. I definitely don't want to talk to this guy because he's probably going to argue with everything I have to say. And so then the Lord's like, no, you need to talk to him. And I was like, okay, can you tell me what the American dream is? Like, 
again, not really trying to engage him. And he's like, well, I got up and I put my feet on the ground and I stood up and I have money in my bank account. I am living the American dream. And I was like, that's no, not the truth. I was like, God, I can't do this. Like, and I still have my headphones in. I'm still listening to James at 20%. So I'm still hearing God talk to me and I'm fighting with the Lord. I don't want to talk. I said, God, if you want me to say something, you have to give me a sign. You have to let me know audibly that I am supposed to talk to this guy. And I said, I said, man, can I just ask you, what is your name? He said, my name is James. <laughs> God, like that's pretty clear. Like that's water on the fleece and dry around, but I really need your help. So for 45 minutes, I come to realize this guy has given his life to Jesus early on in his life, but no one ever came alongside him and discipled him to look like Jesus. No one taught him how to read scripture. No one taught him what it was to fast. No one told him what it was like to meditate on the word of God. And every problem he brought to the table, fighting with his friends, feeling like he's been stabbed in the back. All these horrible things happening in his life. Guess where the content came from of my responses to him? James, literally every single problem, there was a word that the Lord had given me in my mind and my heart and it flowed off of my lips. That man needed to hear the gospel, but he needed something much more than that. And so when we find ourselves meditating on the word of God, we can squash the fear of the enemy because we have a word to share that God has put in our minds and he's put in our hearts. And so here, here's the truth. Meditating on the word of God changes everything. How you speak, how you think, how you respond, to different situations in life. Again, meditating on it day and night. David, I love your word. It, it is fuel to the fire and the spirit that God has placed inside of me. I don't wanna be silent anymore because of how much goodness abides in my mind and my heart. And here's the truth. You may be one of three people this morning you may have once given your life to Jesus. But just like James at Guitar Center, no one ever came alongside you and showed you and taught you what does it look like to meditate? What does it look like to fast? What does it look like to have a prayer life and a prayer closet that's so full? And because of that, you've just gone through this life getting by. And so if we were to ask and you were to be honest, maybe, maybe meditation isn't, on your lips and maybe this morning you feel the spirit of God saying hey I, I feel like I need to change something remember that water hose just a, a small little pivot of that finger can change the direction of that water and a small little pivot of your life changing can change the outcome not only of your life but of the lives that are around you so there are so many more passages 
that talk about meditation and we'd be here all afternoon. But what matters this morning is where do you stand right now? Is God's word in your mind? Is God's word coming off of your lips? If we were to have surgery in your heart, what would you find? Brokenness, destruction, or would you find the author of life? Beating. And so this morning you have a, a time to respond, whether that's seating where you're at right now, this altar's open, what is it that the Lord is leading you to do to change just a little area of your life? And my encouragement is that you just respond to his leading, however that is. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, there's so many more thoughts that come to meditation. There's so many more passages, God, that we could have dissected and looked at. But the good news is that you've given us your word so that even when we leave this building, we can jump right back into your word and we can meditate on it day and night so much that when we're walking around friends, we're walking around our family, what's coming off of our lips is just your word. So God, I pray for the believer that has pledged their allegiance to you already, that have given their life over to you, but maybe the art and the action of meditation is not happening. And so I pray for your spirit to change lives. God, maybe people haven't responded yet to the gospel. And so your word has a limit in the sense that they have not given their all to you and therefore they can't understand or be recipients of the fullness of the power of your word. So God, I pray for those that might be dealing with complete surrender this morning. Again, God, thank you that we can talk about your word openly and it has a power to change lives. We give you our hearts. We give you our focus. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You respond how the Lord is, whether it's been singing, whether it's praying, whether it's coming to this altar. Uh, you just spend a moment with the Lord this morning.